I'm Rachel Poli here with Ari Meglin and our special guest, Dale Cecile Runo, and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer podcast. We're on episode 88, and this week's question is, what elements should you include in your science fiction novel? Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss a show. And if you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like. Now, please help us welcome author Dal Cecile Runo to the show. Dal, thank you for joining us. It is great to have you on our podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. I've been following both of you on social media for a while, and it's nice to finally have a chat in an audio. Yeah, following us on social media, you probably find very little on our social media at the moment. <laughs> I mean, really, if anybody is going to follow either one of us on social media, go follow Dal on Instagram because her layout is absolutely gorgeous. Like, Thank you so much. I am so jealous of all you've done on your Instagram. Making it look like it's one giant picture is phenomenal. Yeah, I did it all with Canva, actually. Like if you find like those cool looking elements and you arrange it on, you know, like you make the proper measurements for cutting and cropping later for all the little squares then you can do such thing i i it i took maybe a week to do it but i did it it probably would have taken me way more than a week so good for you because <laughs> it came it's out like, nice <laughs> how did a blind person figure that out is i know right but yeah but i i went to high school of fine arts and I have always been interesting, interested in the very little things that I can see. I can still see color, so I guide myself with color. And that's another reason why I did the layout that way. Not just to reflect that, hey, this woman here writes sci-fi. Not only that, but also it helps me remember which post is coming after the one that I already posted. Because I can guide myself with the colors a lot easier than if it was just quotes in the same background all the time so it also works in favor of my blindness if that makes any sense thank you so much for mentioning it i'm very happy to know that people like it oh no it's beautiful and i i love your reasoning for why you did that too like that's such an innovative way to do things so that it's accessible for you all right so with that said um <laughs> obviously dal has a beautiful instagram but would you like to tell us a little bit about your writing background and what genre you write in and such yeah, well, I already mentioned I do sci-fi, but unlike a lot of writers that say that they started when they were kids and they always wanted to be writers, mm, that is not my case. Um, I grew up in different things. I had a lot of uh, path switches, if that makes sense. But um, I was a musician and then I did some photography and uh, I did some psychology at college and high school of fine arts. So you can tell I have been jumping around all my life, part of being disabled, I guess. But um, now when I decided, hey, I have these ideas for novels. I don't know if a blind person can write novels because I rely on audio so much. And I don't know if the punctuation is gonna work. Uh, English is a second language for me. I don't know if that's gonna work or not, but I wanna try. And so science fiction is like going back to my actual loving of astronomy when I was a kid, because I was like that astronomy loving kid who would sit on the floor with a magnifying glass and an old book just to read about the solar system. That was me. <laughs> so my first novel was not 
you know, any of the popular novels. No, my first book was an astronomy book for kids. That was what I did. And now it turns out I'm writing sci-fi. So I'm going back to space, but in stories form instead of actual rocket science or whatever. <laughs> that is incredible. I love the fact that you did sort of bounce around different things. I always think that's quite a good thing because it kind of gives you so much experience and ideas and you can put that sort of ideas and experience into your writing no matter what oh. you write oh but you bet <laughs> I, I have to admit I love space we used to go to um Jodrell Bank which was like a you know at a planetarium and it had the giant um can't think of the word you know the giant uh, dishes and everything that uh, oh my god it's all gone the satellite dishes and all things like that and there was loads of sciency it was science but it was it was a lot of it was astro science and we used to go there all the time for school trips and i Amazing. loved it loved it i oh. love it so much that those are my favorite things in museums sometimes i wish they were a little bit more accessible but when it is accessible i enjoy it very much i can like I remember one of these exhibits where I could lift several weights, like circular weights that had like the weight of a uh, like different types of weight according to the gravity of a certain planet. Like this one would be if you tried to carry it if you were in Venus. This one is the one that you would try to carry. Good luck if you were in Jupiter. And I was like, this one is obvious. Yeah, definitely, I cannot handle that. <laughs> So it was absolute fun. Um, yeah, astronomy has always been a part of me, but I turned out to write just sci-fi stories instead. Because, well, space science is, again, not... Well, when I was in school and high school and college and all those things, it wasn't really for blind people to go like, hey, I want to work in space engineering. Eh, no. <laughs> so, so here we are. <laughs> I think one of the great things about science fiction is that there's still that there's still that little bit of science in it. So even though it's fiction, you still have that truth to it and that real life stuff, for lack of a better word. You have like the real life experience of it all. And um, I think using space in general is such a cool concept to write about because I was never one for space when I was a kid and, or even growing up. It was just something that never interested me all that much. But the kid I babysit for, he loves outer space and everything that has to do with the universe that he gets so excited about it and knows absolutely everything about it that I get excited about it. And in my late 20s, I have a brand new appreciation for the whole universe that we live in. It's crazy. It's a beautiful thing to look at the universe and think hey we are this tiny speck of dust and it's just a little dot suspended in the sunbeam and um, not to quote not to quote and steal from Carl Sagan but definitely that's what we are we are just a tiny little speck of nothing in the middle of the sunbeam and there's an entire existence out there and we don't know what we what could we find we would be arrogant if we thought we are the only living beings in the universe and this is the only planet. Yes, I believe in aliens. I don't believe in all the theories that people make up about aliens, but I do believe there must be some kind of form of life out there that exists somewhere in the universe, probably too far for us to find in our lifetime. But I believe there must be something else, 
So yeah, I, I have always had this appreciation of there must be something other out there. <laughs> and that's another reason why I like sci-fi, even though at the moment I don't write about aliens, like, you know, like this, this kind of space opera where there's like multicultural species of different planets and galaxies, like, you know, Star Wars. No, I, I don't write that kind of sci-fi, but I appreciate it because it assumes like, yeah, there are other beings out there. <laughs> they exist. Well, that's it. It makes sense. I mean, you know, they, I mean, they have found other planets in other galaxies that have been considered um, in a, you know, in the Goldilocks zone from the yes, suns yes. and everything. It's like, if there's multiple of those planets out there, there's no way in places we haven't even been able to reach yet that there isn't something, even if it's at the beginning of its life, even if it's the end and the whole planet is about to go, it's like, there's got to be something. So, mm -hmm. but I think if you ever mentioned aliens, people were like, oh, it's the little gray men or the lizard people or, you know, and it's like, no, nah, it doesn't have to be. And they don't have to have visited, you know, <laughs> it's like they, they could still just be over there somewhere, you know? Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, we are not the center of the universe. We are just one part of it, a very tiny part of it. And they, wherever they are, if they are, they are also just another tiny part of it. It's like there's so much distance to cover that unless we develop that kind of technology, it's going to remain with this illusion that we are alone when in fact we are most likely not. But that's just one side of sci-fi. I I focus more on, believe it or not, I, like Rachel said, that real life experience adds up to my novels quite a lot. And I write more near future. So like Earth is the focus and center of my sci-fi. Not in, not in a dystopian sense, because there's also a little bit of like life in a space station kind of thing. So there is this kind of contrast between space and Earth and back to space and back to Earth and what they do in between. And, you know, it's like, I, I like the contrast. So that's the sci-fi that I currently write. It's, this is, this is just, there's so much that can be done with sci-fi that I love to experiment and see what, what can be done with my works. That is not like copying the work of somebody else, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. And honestly, I think that's, like the perfect segue into our first question, since we're talking so much about like your type of sci-fi and stuff, how would you actually define science fiction for someone who's never read it before or never tried writing it before? Right, so science fiction for new people or people who maybe have heard of Dune and Star Wars because you know, they're trending and whatever. Uh, science fiction is not only aliens pew 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 or super technobabbly scientific engineering things that only nasa people can enjoy no 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 that is just one side of sci-fi or two sides actually because the aliens pew pew is another but this is just like the main most popular things that people have recognized because they watched this or that movie science fiction is way broader than that science fiction has to do with exploration and or innovation it doesn't have to be only in the future you can also write uh, in the subgenres of steampunk or you know all the steampunk is the one that comes to mind but you can write that kind of alternate history where there is some kind of new technology and it's like the 1930s or the victorian era or even before that and you write this kind of historical fiction 
with technology that we never had. So it's an alternative, uh, it's an alternate history. Um, one of my favorite recent discoveries of that example would be Hannu Rajaniemi. It's a Finnish author and his novel Summerland is some kind of weird steampunk about people who connect with people in the afterlife and they have the technology to communicate between the two worlds and they are trying to stop a war from the 1930s, you know, it, that kind of stuff. It, it's just fantastic. But it, like, you, like I'm saying, it doesn't have to be this or that stereotype. It, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or an engineer or any of those high-ranked STEM people that write science fiction. It, that's a stereotype. I graduated from a high school of fine arts, for goodness sake. And then I went for guitar and then I did psychology and then I did photography. I did so many things that have nothing to do with science. And yet I am writing science fiction. How? Well, it is happening. That's how. But it's because I like to explore or I'm trying to innovate somehow with whatever it is that I write. So to me, that's the core of science fiction. If you do either or or both, great. You're in the right path. I think that is a perfect definition of science fiction because I think it's true that a lot of people are turned off by it because they believe that you need to, you know, have be super smart in like the whole science field or space or technology or whatever subgenre you write in for science fiction. And because I mean, most science fiction, you walk into a bookstore and you go to the science fiction center or area. And you always end up seeing books about robots taking over the world, or it's about aliens, or it's about, you know, something that has to do with space. But you don't really, I like how you said that it's about innovation and exploration, because as we already stated, science fiction is fiction, but there is some truth to it. So you're, you're taking things that are true to life and you're playing around with them and putting your own twist on it. Definitely. There's no science fiction without those qualities because there is there is the hard sci-fi. You know, people read Andy Weir and they think that's all there is to science fiction because Andy Weir is freaking smart. He's really smart and he can do all the sciencey stuff, explaining all the how physics works and how, how he can develop a botanical garden on Mars. And, you know, and people think that's, that's all there is. No, it is just hard science fiction. That's more scientific. That has a lot of research to be done. You know, it's very demanding. It's possible even for people who are not scientists, but it's more demanding. It will take more time. That's for sure. But there's also softer science fiction that explores and invents aliens that we have never seen before and you're like yeah sure and you know faster than live traveling and all those things that are not plausible right now but you know it has become a trope of its own so people just use it because you know it's a trope so i'm just gonna run with it and faster than light traveling and there you go well, that's my science and it's okay it is still a part of the genre you don't have to be a giant, a giant tech-savvy engineer who developed the mission to the moon in the Apollo 13, and, and no, 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 please. It, I want to take away that stigma because it's just not helping the genre, and I want more people to get into the genre. 
so you know more readers feel less intimidated by it because I know it's scary and I know like not feeling smart enough for a book is not a good feeling uh someone who speaks English in a second language I understand the feeling of oh I maybe I'm maybe not good enough for this book but I want to dispel that with science fiction because that's not the case you just stumbled upon maybe the wrong book for you and you haven't found your science fiction that you will go crazy for my beloved science fiction at the moment is more on the literary side yes there is literary science fiction so it has that character driven literary prosy quality to it and i'm just here for it kazuo ishiguro is one of my favorite examples and i i, I just cannot get enough of that author i'm like mr ishiguro please give me more books please is amazing love it I think you're right about the like the different types because I have read some of the what I call hard sci-fi mm-hmm. where it, it's it's good if you're interested in that level of depth of, of science but on the other hand it can take you out of the story because your your brain sort of slows down as you're trying to read it and then process it whereas if you're reading a book and you're not having to think well you know the, the intensity of the maths or the science you just read and the, and the story plays in your head and it's fine um, but this kind of like where it's going really intense and using really high technological jargon and you're having to slow down going, do I know what that word means? Do I need to check? I'll just check what that word means. <laughs> and it takes you out. And it's like, there are, I've read a few of the hard, hard sci-fi where I've enjoyed them mostly. And then there's been others where it's just like, it's like you're slogging through mud and you're thinking the plot sounds good, but I'm just bogged down with some of these terms and and some of this, and it's not as enjoyable. As I, I actually do prefer sci-fi where it's a little bit more either relatable or I'm not having to think too intently. It's just like, yeah, that sounds okay. I, I'm okay with that, and just sort of go along with it. It's so much better. But obviously, there are some people who really love the the in-depth technological and scientific detail to the point where it's like, yeah, that's too much for me. <laughs> I I love I love all of it. I do read Andy Weir and I go crazy. I'm like, yes. And I'm like in the middle of the book, I'm trying to solve the puzzle because I'm not that smart. And I'm like, what if maybe no, but he mentioned something about that. I don't remember, but he mentioned that thing. And I want to know if that thing could also work for the mm, yeah, that could work. And I'm like thinking alongside the book. I don't know how I do that, but I, I my brain is like that, I guess. I don't know the answers to it, but I love how the book unfolds. Now, I agree with you that not all the sci-fi writers that get too technical achieve that level of flow, I would say, that Andy Weir has achieved. He can take you along the ride of the science-y, techy, talking, whatever, without bugging you down and making you feel dumb. There are some sci-fi writers that are so smart and I respect it. They are really smart, but they go on this tangent that do you really need to go that deep for this book or you're just showing off? I have had moments like that. Are you just showing off, sir or madam? I don't know. I mean, it can happen. It, no one is a perfect writer. We can just sometimes get on tangents. It can happen to me with other talks that are not necessarily technology, but it is a matter of the skill to storytell, not only to bring in all the high concept stuff. It's a blend of the two. And this is something that I am more and more careful trying to mesh together because my science fiction has to do with 
technology, not necessarily in the same way of like gadgets, but there's a lot of genetic engineering that happened. And I do not go in depth about the genetic engineering because my protagonist doesn't know it, doesn't need it, and the story doesn't really call for it, at least not in the first books that I have been developing. So I don't have the need to talk about genetic encoding and manipulation of genes and which chromosome are you moving? And no, no, I don't need to do that because the story doesn't call for it. But thanks to this engineering, people have developed like psychic skills. So I'm going with the psychics trope, but in a scientific possibility and they have a lot of training and they are already well-trained. So sometimes I don't, reveal enough information for some readers. And I'm okay with this. I am putting more acceptance into my own writing style because I write for adults. And I know that maybe the younger audience would be like, uh, I have never heard of this before and I'm confused, but uh, I am, and I'm so sorry, but I, I'm not going to bog down my story just to please a younger audience when that's not the case. However, I am being more careful that because I know that a lot of people have never heard of these concepts like I do, then I have to be more gentle with my audience as well. So I know this firsthand and I know that people get intimidated. So this is definitely something to consider when you're plotting your novel and you're writing and developing your characters and the setting and all that. You have to be a little bit gentle sometimes, depending on who's your audience, of course. If you're writing for adults who will enjoy it the way it is, just go with it. And don't give a damn about anyone's opinion because it's your story in the end. But, you know, if you write for a younger audience, maybe the two sciencey technical things are maybe too much and it's going to be a harder and harder sale if you try to, for example, go traditional publishing with it. So it would be my advice to remember that you're telling a story, not writing a tech manual about faster than light traveling or the development of space station technology that no one has heard of before that it, even though it's innovation you are also a storyteller so combine the two and I think you'll be fine yeah I mean there's that fine line between oversharing or info dumping and then not being able to share enough and I think that kind of goes back to our original point about how you don't need to be like a scientific engineer or whatever to write science fiction based on whatever you're writing. And whether you are or you're not, you kind of have to assume that your readers are not. So you don't want to, you know, bog them down with all this scientific detail unless it moves the plot or the characters forward in some way. But I like how you explain that you're like, you know what, I write for adults. And if I write something that they don't understand, they can look it up if they want, if they're really mm -hmm. that interested in it. But you write it in a sense that they can still understand what's going on. But because yes. you don't write for a younger audience, you're just going to go with the flow and say, you know, here's the information you need. I'm not going to dumb it down for anybody. No, because I've I've made the mistake sometimes of looking for feedback in the wrong places because, you know, there's a lot of a, a wider audience for like younger type of reads. And I and people assume that everybody does, you know, like everybody writes YA. Uh, no, not me, not my case, but uh, people assume. And then I look for feedback and they're like, oh, but you should tell me like when they wake up from the dream, you should tell me like they are going back to reality. I'm like, no, that's not my narrative style. And it is obvious that the character has 
taken a step back from the astral plane and back to the reality. It's obvious by now because they woke up and the lights turned on and they walked out of the compartment. I mean, the, the narration is there. I don't need to explain further to you. You know that this is the dream is over unless you didn't pay attention. So it, it is always the fine line. It's a fine line and also newer concepts will be hard. I accept that some of the Hanu Rayaniemi books are a little, <laughs> a little challenging even to me. And those will be slower reads and I'm happy with that. I, I accepted that not every book that I digest is going to be a one sitting reading no it's not going to be that kind of thing in some cases there are books that you genuinely enjoy slowly because there's a lot to unpack and not because the info dumpy technical thing that we just discussed but there's like a lot of life experience and new worlds and so many new things and it is very detailed and descriptive that you just want to take it all in calmly instead of rushing to get to the end of the book there are stories like that. I guess Hanu is one of the cases where I, I become like this. And Anthony Doerr's most recent book, Cloud Cuckoo Land, has a little bit of sci-fi. And I was so curious to see this literary and historical fiction author dive into the genre of science fiction a little bit in this multi-POE novel. And I was like, I need to sit with this book calmly and digest it bit by bit like gourmet food because that's what it was. It was a gourmet reading. It was to take in slowly. So there is this assumption that we have to write in a certain way, but once you start reading in a wider scope and going a little bit outside your usual genres, like I said, I mix historical sci-fi, like Octavia Butler would be a great example of what I call historical sci-fi because it's time travel, but it goes back in time to a historical period. It, it's amazing. Once you start seeing all the possibilities that you can do with science fiction, your horizons just broaden up more than you thought at first. And this is something I adore about the genre. It has made me grow as a person, even in times where I could not leave my house. So... Even if I could not leave my house, I was still growing thanks to science fiction. And I think this is something that if you're too scared to try, you would be missing out on a lot of growth for yourself as a person, not just like not just as a reader and writer. It's a lot of experiences to be shared. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> it does. It does. I like that. And actually, with that being said, let's move to the next question. Mm -hmm. Thinking of that, what elements should you include in science fiction or and or I should say, are there any elements that you should avoid or, or it's better to avoid these days? Oh, science fiction has its tropes. It has some kind of mandatory things that you have to include. If you're making it about Earth, you have some ways to go. You could do the time travel thingy like Octavia Butler did and that became historical sci-fi. You could go futurism, you could go dystopia. Um, dystopian is not really my favorite because it, it, I think it has been kind of saturated in the recent decades and maybe that's why I kind of, but I respect the genre. It's really hard to write because you still have to imagine a lot of futuristic things, but you can also do the space side of sci-fi. So there is like mandatory tropes that not necessarily are about techno-babbling, but you have certain things that you should include. 
some kind of technology, some kind of different, extraordinary aspect that could still be plausible somehow in our world or in the made-up world. Because we also have, for example, Ursula K. Le Guin's novels that are completely made up and it's like a completely fantastic different world, but it's still science fiction. So it's, again, innovation. If you innovate or explore ideas that could be plausible at some point in the distant future, go ahead. You know, the aliens are a thing. That's something that you can include. Um, people with prosthetics are a thing. What this is where I would go more cautious about, you know, science fiction where disabilities are a bad thing. And I feel kind of confused about that because how is, how is this still possible? You know, this mentality of disability is a bad thing and blind aliens that have to die. Yes, I have read that. And I was like, okay, so, so the aliens are blind again. <sighs> Can we please get over with that trope? Thank you. Um, and they all die, of course. It is just like, can we stop? It, it is this imported idea from general beliefs from the Middle Ages when people were writing all this mythology where everything that was different was other and creepy and usually disabled and they all had to die because you know the heroes had to kill the monsters that was great in the middle ages it's part of our history but please there i, I don't find space for that in science fiction anymore because we already have enough technology to make the world a little bit more accessible for some people that previously didn't have a chance so why don't explore those ideas more instead of, ooh, disabled creature, kill it, cure it, fix it. Why don't we explore the advantages of being different instead of killing it off because different? I don't know, just, just avoid that kind of stuff of the past, that the mindset of the past, because you can totally write something historical and you would have to you know, retain some accuracy to the history and whatever. But the mentality of, the other is bad. If you're writing about aliens and it, it is always going to be the other is bad. We already had war, the War of the Worlds and a lot of other films and books about aliens are bad. Can we write books about aliens are interesting? That would be great. So it's up to you. I don't want to I, I don't want to sound buzzy and I feel uncomfortable trying to tell people what to do because that's not how I go about sci-fi. I wanted to be creative and explore, but uh, this is something I told my mom once, and I also posted on Instagram, but months ago, so it's hard to find, I guess. But sci-fi is a little bit like playing clairvoyant, but with the knowledge of a historian. So you need to know a little bit about the past, the future, the present, and create your own scope of things, your own perspective, and share it in, um, positive way for the readers so whichever tropes that are mandatory put them in there if they fit and get rid of the mindset that will detriment your story i guess well first of all i want to say you're not sounding bossy at all um mm. because anybody who's listening to this can you know take the advices however they see fit but i do agree with you i mean as someone who doesn't read a whole lot of science fiction I haven't heard of that 
trope of you know blind aliens and then they're monsters and you have to kill them and stuff like that that's just very bizarre to me i don't know how else to explain that but that's it doesn't sound good at all and i think i mean i'm gonna date this episode but we're in 2021 i think we can create ways to be more inclusive in our stories whether they're fiction or not fiction and yeah i just i agree with everything that you said be more inclusive but you can explore the unknown and create your own unknown and just have fun with it but make sure that you're there there is a fine line of being like you know offending people and not offending people because you can't please everyone definitely no that that's not what i'm trying to say i'm not pleasing anybody here right oh yeah no i know yeah. and but so i do agree with you that you know you should you can't please everybody but i like the way you worded it is that you should have the mindset of not the middle ages or not way back when hmm. be a little more open about it yeah i mean for a good example i'm going to go back to two great authors in this genre again Andy Weir that I mentioned previously and also Adrian Tchaikovsky they both created aliens that are this kind of I I shouldn't I shouldn't even describe the aliens because I don't want to spoil things to you but spoiler alert the aliens have a different way of perceiving the world I'm just going to leave it at that so in our terms it would be some kind of disability because they are not like us they are different and they both did it in such a positive way that the alien didn't die. Awesome. I'm sorry to spoil the book, but no, the alien makes it. <laughs> and it is a positive interaction between us and the other. And that was fantastic. That really restored my hope after the few encounters with blind aliens that had to die in books. And they restored my faith in science fiction. I was like, oh, okay, that was just a sour experience. That was just one bad crap that happened. Look at Andy Weir, he's doing great. He's doing this thing. And it, it, you know, it, I always go back to happy when I encounter books where it's not just about being inclusive just because you know tokenism or ticking the boxes or whatever. No, it's genuinely helping the story. It was truly a part of the plan all along that the creatures are different. And that's something very positive to do. I don't know. Try it. Maybe maybe you'll have fun in a way. I don't know. Firstly, I have to say, I love Adrian Tchaikovsky's work. Love yes. it. Seriously. Love, 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 love all of his books. But again, with the, with the accessibility part, especially with his sci-fi, I have read a few things where it's like, you know, there are no disabilities. We've cured and fixed everything. And it's like, it takes you completely out of reality because it's like, that's still saying that all disabilities are bad and don't bring anything. And, and it's, it's, it's like, people don't have to, um, you know, um, manage better or change or have the systems around them work better and, and help them with accessibility so it was like no no we just clicked our fingers and poof, fixed everything and I, I, I hate that it doesn't read well you know it, doesn't. I, it just it feels it feels like a like like a literally like a click fingers everything's fixed we didn't have to think about it we just wiped off that concept are you thinking well that doesn't really fit into reality 
does no. it? It's like, no. shouldn't it be more, especially in a, in a futuristic or, you know, where you're, you're talking forward thinking science fiction, that the likelihood is that accessibility would have increased and made it easier and better so that large amounts of the population can do things more and more so you know you're talking you're up in space stations there will be people who have disabilities not oh no we fixed those people and now they can go to the space station and it's like right. oh. i am it's taking like, this trope yeah. I, am, I am taking this we have cured everything <laughs> I'm, no i'm taking it and then as you read the books, you're going to discover that <laughs> we have some infiltrated disabled people here. <laughs> and, and it's not what you're thinking. And no, you, cured, you didn't cure all disabilities. Also, here is to get technical about it. Some disabilities are congenital. So it means it's a freak accident during pregnancy. And you can't do anything about it. So even if you manipulate all the genes that you want to manipulate, like I'm doing in my story, that children are now born with no disability, unless you're a freak accident, then, then you might come with a disability. <laughs> or if your parents who got into the engineering program lied about not having any disability and then, whoops now I'm dyslexic because my mom was dyslexic but you cannot see dyslexia so boop disability <laughs> there are so many ways that disability can still happen even if you create technology to quote-unquote get rid of it there will still be something that happens because that's how reality works and the more you want to be realistic in your science fiction, you have to take into account all the different things that contribute to a certain thing for it to happen. You know, there are what called factors. Yeah, so many factors that will increase the possibility of something still happening, even if you try to obliterate it from the existence of humanity. And that's something I'm doing with my novels. Hopefully someday I'll get them published. I'm, I'm querying at the moment. <laughs> Please get them published. They sound awesome. Every time you're talking about them, it's like, I want to read that. That is totally my jam. That sounds awesome. I, I have to be thankful for to all my influences, not only in science fiction, but in general. Like my, one of my influences that made me think bigger and wider and broader is an Argentine author. His name is Jorge Luis Borges. And if I don't mention him, I'm going to get kicked out of Argentina right now. <laughs> so I had to. <laughs> <laughs> but no, for reals, uh, Borges is a great author, an amazing intellectual, a genius of its own kind, and he had such an imagination that I am so thankful for reading his work because I, I know it has expanded the way I approach writing and the way I approach my stories and how I develop them. So uh, your influences can come from all kinds of genres, not only the one that you're writing. It's just take a book and see if you like it, take it home. If you don't, then put it back in the shelves. But there's so much more to sci-fi than what people know of. And I'm here to just let you know about it. I'm very happy and enthusiastic. If this blind person who's not supposed to be reading books because of how a blind person reads with a magnifier, my darling, <laughs> with a magnifier or with a screen reader or with audiobooks. But 
even I love books to that extent that now I'm becoming an author. Well, I have short stories published, but now I'm trying to get this sci-fi published. If I can do this, so can you. That's my message for people in general. If you want to write science fiction and you have this amazing idea and you don't know how to go about it because, oh, I am not a science person, I'm not an engineer, please, 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 I beg you, try, try it out, see how it goes. Because don't let it slip away just because you're not a science person. I can do this, so can you. That's well said. And I'm actually going to throw the final question right at you since you're already on a, a roll encouraging our listeners do you have any specific tips for new writers writing science fiction? Try it out, test it, look for feedback, research. And if at the end of all that it didn't work, it's still not a failure. It's part of the process. I'm going to quote a very nice character that I love from Shira and the Princesses of Power. But here it goes Can I do the Entrapta voice? Yes. Can I try? Yes, I'm going to try. You know, imperfection is what makes scientific experimentation possible. Imperfection is beautiful, at least to me. <laughs> that was brilliant. I love it. That was perfect. <laughs> I have to be, I have to do the Entrapta thing. I love her so much. She, I, I confess, I watched Shira just for her. I don't like the whole magic thingy. And she was the one who didn't have magic, but she had science. And I was like, I'm here for you, girl. I'm so here for you. And then I started making the voice as well. <laughs> I actually came across that show on Netflix the other day. Maybe I should watch it. <laughs> I think it's a really good show. I am just more in the science aspect than the magic aspect, but I still respect the amount of work that went into it. And it's brilliant. It's a great show, but definitely I watched it mostly for Entrapta. I, I have no shame saying that. I'm a sci-fi girl all through and through. <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, I think we've said everything that we can say. Do you want to share anything about yourself to our listeners? Well, uh, <laughs> it has been really nice talking to everyone who listens to this podcast. I am super, super happy to be here. Um, I do include a lot of blindness or visual impairment in my stories in general, not only in my sci-fi trilogy that I'm developing and trying to get published. I also do short stories in other genres. So I enjoy thriller and I wrote a thriller noir short story. Uh, it's called Danger, but it's spelled like lowcase D and then everything else in caps, anger. So like there's a wordplay there and there is a blind character in there. There's uh, I tried writing a romance once. <laughs> Someone challenged me to write a romance short and I, I was like, OK, I'm not very good at writing romantic stuff um, it's not what I do. I well challenge accepted. Let's see how that goes. Uh, once again, what I told new writers try try and experiment and if it doesn't work it's not a failure you just experiment it but yes yeah, so, so romance was a challenge it was really difficult for me to do but I also try poems and like creative poetic dreamlike fiction I am soon to release a horror short story that that's going to be more exclusive for Kofi and Patreon 
this Halloween, I don't know why I release on Halloween, but I do that. I don't care. It's a Sunday. It's Halloween and I'm going to release it. So I'm, I'm just a crazy writer who loves writing in general. And I want to share it with whoever stumbles upon it and enjoys it. So again, if I am doing it, so can you. Man, I love that. And Dal, really, it has been an absolute pleasure to be talking to you about this topic about everything in general like it was really nice to meet you super nice i'm i'm so happy to be here finally i it's super cool maybe in the future when the things are published maybe i come back who knows oh for sure it's it's been a wonderful experience and i never thought i was going to be this happy this early in the morning but i'm i'm (laughs) delighted oh i'm glad thank you so much and for all of our listeners, all of Dal's, uh, Dal's bio and links and all of that fun stuff are in the description below. So please go give her some love. And in the meantime, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Do let us know if you've tried writing science fiction and what some of your favorite elements or tropes are in the genre in the comments or on Twitter using the hashtag The Mary Writer Podcast. And if you want to get some extra content, you can head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the Mary Writer podcast. You can support the show for as little as $1 a month and get some cool bonus content such as mini episodes. And tune in next week for another episode of the Mary Writer podcast where we ask all the right questions. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 This podcast is brought to you by Half Empty Notebooks. We keep buying more. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0. Bye.